0: Hello and welcome back to the Stadio Podcast on Ringer FC. I'm Musa Kwonga. I'm Ryan Hun. Ryan, how are you doing? I'm exhausted, man. Oh no. Why are you exhausted? Oh no. Because football this
1: weekend, it was so exhausting. It did actually in a good way. Yeah. In yeah. a good way.
0: It's very intense. It was very, very, very intense, actually. But um yeah, how are you how are you doing? I am <laughs> reasonably good. Got here in the end, despite technical difficulties. No, but um, in footballing terms, you know, we normally turn to football for escapism, but it was actually quite stressful this weekend for you in particular, but we'll get into that.
1: For me? Yeah. What, yeah. Did,
0: what did I do? As an Arsenal fan.
1: Oh, it was casual as an Arsenal fan, man. <laughs> that was calm. Steady 2-1 win over Sheffield United. Was it that steady though? Oh, it was totally steady. It was never in doubt.
0: It was terrifying. Even I was terrified. I'm not even an Arsenal fan. We'll get to that in a sec, but I think we should start with the Bundesliga because that's where most of the drama happened.
1: There was so much drama in the Bundesliga this weekend. Bundesliga final day. There was still quite a lot to play for. The final Champions League spot, the automatic relegation spot, and what the Germans call the relegation, which is the relegation playoff spot, rather confusingly. And... It ended up that Fortuna are down. They will be in the Zweite Bundesliga next season. Werder Bremen managed to secure a playoff spot. So they will play Heidenheim, who pipped Hamburg. I mean. Again, oh, Hamburg. To the third place in the Zweite Bundesliga. So it'll be Bremen-Heidenheim this week. I think the first, first game is July the 2nd. It's a two-legged playoff, home and away. Dortmund lost four 0 at home. I mean, they were kind of on the beach anyway. There was shades of Unión last weekend when there was nothing really to play for. There, it was so frantic. So, for those who don't know, I've mentioned it a few times, but they have a thing in Germany on Sky Bundesliga called the Conference, which is kind of like a red zone but for football. So they dart around the games, and all of a sudden, you'll hear this tour in Leipzig, and it'll cut to Leipzig, and they'll show whoever scored, and it was just so chaotic. It was like watching a Safdie Brothers film. (laughs) Like the next Safdie Brothers film is going to be the Bundesliga final day.
0: That's an incredible reference because I saw that film, uh, the Sandler movie, and I've never seen anything so stressful. I kept texting my friend to go, this is pure anxiety. And the Bundesliga was like that. I mean, it was... Watching Dortmund capitulate. So first of all, because someone wrote to me on Twitter and said, why are you so... I'm genuinely interested as to why you're so harsh on Dortmund. I was like, well, Bookie, the goalkeeper himself, said it. He was like, we don't have a winning mentality. Like, he literally was like, this isn't what elite clubs do. We don't lose 4-0 on the final day like this at home.
1: Yeah, not to Hoffenheim. No, exactly. To be fair, have been markedly improved since Alfred Schroeder got sacked. But
0: But still, he was like... I mean, when is coming out, when your own keeper's coming out publicly and saying that, you have to like look at yourselves, but Dortmund aside and Cremaric scored all four in 50 minutes, which is even wilder. That must be some <laughs> kind of record. I mean, well, it probably isn't knowing the Bundesliga. It probably isn't. Um, so that was interesting, but down at the bottom. So this is quite interesting. So Werder won 6-1. Yes, they did. Yeah. But this was the thing. So a friend of mine, who's a big Fortuna fan, a bit of a conspiracy, well, not conspiracy theorist. He was like, they weren't that unhappy cologne about fortuna going down no they really weren't the point where it was remarked upon in media that cologne were not very unhappy about the fact that fortuna went down i mean if this was racing you might have a steward's inquiry you might be like it's unprofessional to say just how happy you are that your local rivals are going down
1: oh do you know what i was a bit like well that is a bit conspiracy theory until cologne scored one and then i was just like let just throw him off the scent that's the only reason they scored a goal.
0: <laughs> I'd be a bit annoyed if I was a Verda fan because Verda have the attacking sophistication to have finished higher at the table. They shouldn't be in this amount of trouble. Like, I think Verda have got more tools than teams that finished above them, certainly in an attacking sense.
1: Well, a lot of people, well, the majority of people who cover the Bundesliga extensively tip them to be a top-half side this season. And they should have been a top-half side in theory. Yeah. But they just, they just didn't score goals. So they scored six on the last day of the season. They obviously beat Cologne 6-1. That was 40% of their entire season's home league goals in one game. 40%. And it was 14% of their entire league goals for the season. A a 34-game season... And they've scored 40% of their home goals on the last day and 14% of their overall goals on the last day.
0: See, there's a problem with motivation there with Werder. There's something wrong there because if you can beat Dortmund in the Pokal, and if you can score from 30 yards against the best teams in the country and the best goalkeepers in the world, you should be scoring more goals than that. Like, I, I hate to say it, but if you're capable technically of doing things like that, then you shouldn't be at that place on the table. Something's gone on with the motivation there.
1: I think. Yeah, I think this game is just a weird one though because Cologne was safe and... As you mentioned, I don't think they were too fussed about getting beat. But at the end of the day, they're professional footballers, and I don't think, you know, none of that is legit, I don't think. We have to say that.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, exactly.
1: We've seen this happen a number of times at the end of various league seasons where one side genuinely needs to win, they're playing another side that really has nothing to play for, and it ends up being this super warped scoreline because of it. But to be honest, I don't think that they are guaranteed to win the playoff against Heidenheim.
0: No, I mean, no, it's funny because I don't watch much of Heidenheim. I've only been watching Heidenheim a little bit the last few weeks because of the title, because of the race to go up. They don't produce that many scoring opportunities. They kind of give me a bit of an unio on energy, very well organised, hit you on the break. absorb pressure. Like, if it was going to be anything, I would say that Verda have the firepower. I think that even highest foul were worried about the playoff. Like, I saw a few quite big highest Favre counts in the days leading up, going if we get into playoff, we're not. There's no way we beat Werder over two legs. Maybe that's maybe that's their inferiority complex. I don't know, but neither teams. In fact, to be honest, the Zweiter Bundesliga generally. If you look at the top teams in that, the ones that have come up, so automatically so Stuttgart and Armenia Bielefeld, neither score that many goals compared to Paderborn last year. And I just worry if firepower is going to be a problem for those. Yeah, teams I mean Heiden,
1: Heidenheim are the lowest scorers in the top half of the Zweiter Bundesliga, but they. I mean. Obviously the Bundesliga is a much more difficult league, but Werder have only scored forty-two goals. This they, they they scored forty-two goals this season. Mm. Heidenheim got forty-five. But uh, I just wonder yeah. whether that I mean they gave um they gave Bayern a little bit of a scare that time. Do you remember in the cup in the cup?
0: They did, yeah. Yeah.
1: You know, they scored four in Bayern, Heidenheim. They lost five-four, but still they scored four at the Allianz. But yeah, I mean it's going to be a really interesting playoff. I'm not entirely sure that Werder will do that. I mean, last season Union won the playoff against Stuttgart and came up. Stuttgart yeah. incidentally automatically promoted back into the Bundesliga with Arminia Bielefeld who came
0: top. Mm. It's only because I only that because Werder have been in decent goal scoring form since the res, res, resumption. They've had I think it's scored 5 in one game and they've got 6 in another. So They're in decent goal scoring form, like they know where the net is. Mm. That's the only thing that's the only thing I would say. And I di- I think weirdly enough, I think I actually caught the second half of the highest foul um, game against Sandhausen and I don't think that team beats that I don't think that team beats Werder I can see why they were not they were not that confident I think if Heidenheim can keep it tight against Werder they've got a great chance
1: yeah um, definitely yeah um, elsewhere in the Bundesliga Timo Werner scored on his final game for Leipzig uh, he's the club's record goal scorer Uh, Leverkusen beat Mainz 1-0 at home. It wasn't enough to secure Champions League qualification because Gladbach beat Hertha 2-1 at home. Gladbach, very, very good season under Marco Rosa. First season under Marco Rosa. And getting them back into the Champions League I think is a huge achievement. Um, They've done it recently without some of their key players. Alessand Play has been out. Marcus taram has been out. I'm really... Pleased for Gladbach, and I'm really pleased for Marco Roser obviously, because apart from him being hideously handsome, <laughs> he just comes across like a really good guy. He's a really good manager. I want him to succeed. And they ended up being two points clear of Leverkusen, who finished fifth. Hoffenheim ended up sixth.
0: They had a great late run.
1: Yeah, Freiburg eighth. Eintracht ended up ninth, which I think is really interesting, considering they were about fifteenth three weeks ago, and it went on absolute tear at the end of the season. They won three of their last four. to finished 10th. Level on points with Union, which I think is amazing. Union finishing 11th in the Bundesliga when pretty much everyone tipped him to go straight back down. I mean, we've covered this before a couple of weeks ago when they when they were safe, but Oz Fischer and everyone at the club just deserves such a huge amount of credit because they are a really unique club for the Bundesliga. Yeah, And really excited to see how they can try and develop and hopefully secure their position as a as a as a Bundesliga side. I do believe they've got to make some changes to the stadium to fit in with Bundesliga regulations. So it'd be interesting to see how the first eye changes because of that. They finished two points above Schalke. Do you want to talk about Schalke a little bit?
0: I'm just amazed that Schalke ended up in that position despite not having one for absolutely eight, for months. Well, for, well, obviously months, pandemic, but for so long. Pandemic. <laughs> pandemic, pandemic. <laughs> like, with it, it's funny with Schalke. So they've, it's so interesting because their chairman has been embroiled, Clements Turnies, in one of the biggest COVID scandals. Like there's There were hundreds of cases of infection at his factory. And it feels almost like, fitting and ironic that that's the case on the field and off the field because there's just a sense of disarray. John Harding at John Blog 66 on Twitter said that, you know, the problem with Schalke is it's the pieces. It's not the coaching. It's not the, there is just not the talent. And Schalke actually had the kind of, um, the Spurs problem. Remember when Spurs sold Bale but didn't replace him properly? And they bought like six or seven players, all of whom misfired to varying degrees. There are some clubs you look at where you're like, you're like 60%, 70% Mm. of what you should be for a club of your size. We could call it the 70% problem where none of the players are actually bad, but none of them have got like anything out of third gear. And I think Schalke's problem is that, like you can, it's a bit like when I was watching, it's a bit of a random reference. Barcelona playing against Bayer Leverkusen in the Champions League a few years back and Xavi got knackered and went off. And Mm -hmm. all of a sudden it was just like, gone. It was like the best air traffic controller left the kind of, left the airport. And all of a sudden you just had all these players circling, 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 no execution. You could tell the ideas were there, but the, the execution wasn't there and it was all half a step slow. And you watch Schalke and they're just consistently half a step slow to the punch all over the field. And that all adds up. So when you watch them, you're like. It was like watching Manchester United the second half of the season out of David Moyes where you're like, these players know what to do but they just don't have the cohesion and coordination to do it. And and, and that's a talent aspect. And it's bad for Schalke because that kind of problem means that it's about recruitment across the board. You either get in and manager's like, ridiculous or you've just got to buy.
1: They're in a lot of trouble, Schalke, on and off the pitch and I'd, I'd actually recommend John Harding's DW colleague, Matt Ford, he wrote a really good piece about Schalke on the DW website. There were protests outside the stadium after they lost to Freiburg on the weekend, even though they were playing away. A lot of that was directed at Clemens Turneys. Now, Clemens Turneys we spoke about earlier on in the season, yeah. who is not a popular figure amongst Schalke fans. He's the chairman, he was suspended for racist comments earlier on in the season and managed to kind of just sneak back in yeah. undetected in a way. A lot of the fans, ultras groups, etc do not want him there. And I think Schalke are going to be stuck in this kind of weird limbo until there are major changes there. They're looking at putting cost-cutting measures in place, putting a wage cap in or salary cap of a, of 50 grand a week, Yeah, which is maybe something we can expand on another time because I kind of like that idea across the board, to be honest. But we'll see. It'll never happen, but yeah. it's quite fun. But yeah, go and check Matt's piece out because it's good. Anything else in the Bundesliga before we go to a break? Yeah, we've got very a lot quickly. To get today.
0: before I forget, just to explain Schalke to those who don't watch German football regularly, they feel kind of like West Ham about a year and a half ago when the fans were like, this is a big club, we're not happy about being being treated, team's in trouble on the pitch, no real cohesion, maybe a lack of quality and the owners were unpopular. It feels kind of analogous to that a bit at Schalke, where you've got this kind of really traditional fan base, who are inclusive, who do care about these issues and they're not just in it. We're more than a club. We'd rather lose the right way than win the wrong way. But unfortunately, we're doing everything wrong. We're doing it wrong on the field, off the field, and we're losing. So it kind of feels like a West Ham type dynamic to me, that makes sense.
1: I'm not a gambling man, but I would like to put a philosophical bet on Hub Stevens being in charge of Schalke at some point again next season.
0: That would be amazing. It wouldn't
1: be because it would mean that things have gone terribly wrong again for Shaq, and he's had to come in and keep them up like he did after they fired Dominico Tudesco.
0: But sometimes you need a return to like source. Do you know what I mean? It's like, it's like just goose.
1: leave just leave Hub alone, man. He just wants to <laughs> sit in the stands, <laughs> have a nice quiet Dunkel beer post game. Just leave him be. It's like people keep going after Yupp Pinekis whenever Bayern are in trouble. It's just like let the guy live, man. He's uh, done
0: the work, and his wife is basically probably like, padlocked him to the front gate and going Yup. If I find you've gone out and won another Champions League when I've gone out to get the papers.
1: Yeah, your <laughs> Pankhurst isn't allowed to answer his own home phone anymore. He's not.
0: He's not. <laughs> no. uh, let's
1: go to a break. Let's do it.
2: I'm so excited to introduce the Bukhari sellers podcast in partnership with the ringer we're tackling the issues of the day through interviews with high profile guests and conversations with a rotating panel of the country's best and leading thinkers influencers and writers you know i'm not only an attorney and a former elected official sometimes you see me on cnn and i'm a new author of a new york times best-selling book my vanishing country but now we're introducing the Bakari Sellers podcast, and we're gonna cover everything from the 2020 election to sports and culture to the larger movement for racial equality in the United States. We're gonna have some of your favorite quarterbacks, some of your favorite politicians, some of your favorite athletes, writers, singers, actors, actresses. The Bakari Sellers podcast will debut on Monday, June 29th. Listen free on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts.
1: All right, we're back from the break. I forgot to do admin at the top of the show, so don't forget stadio.bandcamp.com. We've stuck our theme tune on sale and we're donating all the money, so please go and purchase it. Three euros or pay as much as you like. Britishpodcastawards.com forward slash vote. I think there's a week left to vote for us in the listener's choice. So yeah, if you'd search Stadio, please go and vote for us. That would be very lovely. Go vote. I want to win Moose. I want to win so Band. Ha, 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 ha in the words of michael jordan it became personal
0: exactly it became it became personal to me
1: yeah also if you're listening to this on the stadio feed make sure you subscribe to the ringer fc spotify feed as we'll be migrating over to that exclusively i think next week the link to that is in the description uh, where do you want to go now do you want to go la liga or do you want to go to should we do la liga first liga. yeah let's... la liga was very 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 entertaining this weekend it was where do you want to start? Do you want to start with Barcelona? Oh my gosh!
0: Okay, so I mean, Barça playing at Celta Vigo is it is a banana skin sometimes for them, and it was again. And they just someone said it because I, I wrote, um, I commented about Barcelona's situation at the moment being a bit of a disaster. And someone got in touch. Oh yeah, and it like, someone they, came up. Someone, said, oh, someone they, came they, for you. They, they? They got, <laughs> they've got four leagues and in five seasons. Said no, it's not about that. This is about a decline where you'll have a drop off in quite a startling way. And Barca will always be there and thereabouts at the top of the table because they just have such incredible resources, but they're wasting a lot of what they have. Um, and it, you know, it is disconcerting, I Me, mean, you know, Messi 33, so much, he's all of a sudden just shot up to 33 years old. So much goes through him and the challenges with the mobility in that front three, if Messi is doing what he's doing and Suarez isn't moving the best... The third attacker has been such a huge problem for Barcelona for so many years. They never solved it with the Neymar. They never solved it after Neymar. Coutinho coming off the wing didn't work because it's predictable what he does when he's that high of the pitch. Dembele, obviously, injury's been a problem. And they haven't hired I mean, how if you had a proper director of football there, if Zabizareta was still there, let's be honest, if they hadn't got rid of Zabizaretta in 2015 and been so impatient and then won the treble a few a few months later they hadn't been impatient, I think a player like Christian Pulisic would have ended up at Barca. I do not understand for the life of me how a club like Barcelona keeps passing on talent like that. Like, I know that there's board level trouble. I know that there's a, and we're, not, we're not discussing deliberately the stuff on the pitch because I think that the things that Setien has to deal with are not of his making. And I'm very determined not to keep doing a deconstruction of Barca's performance on the pitch because I don't think he has the pieces. I don't think he has the pieces. There was a goal that um, Arturo Vidal scored a couple of weeks ago when he, he arrives late in the box for a header and someone goes, oh, no one makes that run. And I think it's the run that Paulinho made, but that is an absolutely standard. If you do not have, if you do not have number eights making that run for midfield as a matter of course, you're in real trouble. And the fact that Barcelona watchers were going, oh, wow, look at that run. I was like, This is bad.
1: I mean, let's go back to the game though, because there was an absolutely unbelievable moment in this game, which was the first Barcelona goal.
0: Wow. Okay. Yeah. Wow.
1: I think Celta quite possibly with the worst configuration (laughs) for a free kick, I think I've ever seen.
0: So they had had a wall and they had uh, two people on the line, one on either post. No, so they had three in the wall. Yeah. Another guy
1: about five yards away from the wall, but in line with the wall, someone about five yards behind the wall. Two people about a yard and a half behind that guy. Uh, Another guy just inside the six-yard box stood stood next to Vidal. Two on the line behind the goalkeeper, which meant that there was an unmarked Luis Suarez just inside the six-yard box on the right-hand side. I've never seen anything like it, I don't think. I might be wrong, but I can't
0: remember. I've seen one thing similar, and that's when John Barnes was managing Celtic. They played a 2-4, (laughs) 2-2 with two sweepers behind the back four. And... It was just a nightmare getting out. It was narrow and it was wide and it was, it, was, it was narrow going forward. So you conceded the ball up front and the two sweepers got in the way of the back four. Yeah, 2-4, two, 2-2. Two, two. I think that was the last time I saw something like this.
1: That's big football manager energy. That is. <laughs> yeah, but a great point for Celta, which means they're probably safe now. That extends their lead over Mallorca to eight points. Six to go. I can't see Mallorca making up eight points on Celta.
0: How many statues does Iago Aspas have?
1: Not enough. This
0: guy is...
1: Not enough. Iago Aspas needs more statues.
0: I mean, when, when you know, thousands of years from now, when aliens come to study our civilization, they'll think he was a god. They'll be yeah. like, the way, that this, the way this man is spoken about in scriptures, even by opposition, mm-hmm. he's just a football genius. And there are, well, talking football geniuses in La Liga, we'll get to that one in a moment. We know we're going to talk about. But Yay. Spanish football so interesting because it's got these like, icons who are so identified with a club. In a way, I know you've got, you got like Southampton and Matt Letizia, but it feels like in Spain, there are so many more. And I just wonder, is it something about the kind of the regional diversity of Spain and the homeliness of each region? I don't know, but it seems to produce these like icons. Does that make sense? Like, yeah. You go down to like one place, you've got like that guy who's at that club who's just astonishing who identified. Like I said, like, like Julien Guerrero, Athletic Bilbao, Athletic Bilbao, mm-hmm. like a guy like that back in the day. And Aspas now for Celta Vigo is the same thing. But yeah, let's go to the other genius. Santi Cazorla, Avila Real. Wow. Okay. Where do we start? Okay, first, we'll get to that moment in a second. This, my guy is taking, I mean, you've seen this obviously for Arsenal for a long time, but I've seen it. Of course, you know, he's perfectly two-footed. My guy is creating outstanding goals, got opportunities from set pieces with either foot. I mean, yeah. what a beast. A tiny beast. An absolute beast. And I mean, you want to talk about his, his moment for Real's second goal. It
1: was just beautiful. It was just beautiful. You think about the psychology, you've broken free of the last man and you're away. Yeah. And mm-hmm. his first instinct is to side foot a volley perfectly for that strike.
0: Do you know what it reminded me of? It reminded me of when Romario moved back to Brazil to play for Vasco and was playing foot volley on the beaches.
1: Yeah, it was beach football vibes. Like, beach football. This is the thing, Like to keep flight of the ball when it's coming over your shoulder that high from the keeper, to be aware of where Moreno is and then to have the clearness of mind to just casually cushion a left foot volley. I mean, Moreno didn't have to break stride. I mean, to be fair, Moreno deserves a hell of a lot of credit as well because that was some finish. But just the whole goal was, it's got to be up there for goal this season in La Liga. It's one of the Has best goals be.
0: I've ever seen. Yeah, it's one of the best goals I've ever seen. It's literally, and the reason it's so amazing, Kosola is just outside the box and cushions this incredible, and he pops it up. It's like in yeah. volleyball and you pop it up for the smash. But he does yeah, it yeah, inside. Yeah. It's unreal. And it's funny because Moreno at that point, the, the pass is so good that Moreno could have just taken it down and gone. But I think he hits it early because he's a striker and it's a good instinct. But I also think part of him hit it early because he was hyped. You know you got like MCs in a group of rappers, right? You know, like had like those MTV, like your MTV raps and they're passing the mic around with their backpacks on yeah. and they're so hyped. And then like the MC is so hyped from the previous verses. He just jumps in on the mic with that extra energy. It was like Moreno just coming in, just going, I have to just crash this. I just have to like, you know, and it was a beautiful volley. The finish was amazing. But part of me was like, you're hitting that first time because the past was so beautiful. Like mm. there's a part of you that thinks I have to do this justice. Yeah. It is, it is. And it's funny cause I saw people howling. I didn't see the goal live and I saw people howling about it and I saw Sid Lowe going wild, which is something because if Sid Lowe goes wild. I mean, he, that man has seen a lot of beauty. So if he's losing it, it must be something. And I went and I think I must've rewatched it five or six times. Just, just again and again, just that touch. It's Bergkamp, it's Ronaldinho. Like that's who, that's who Cthulhu is. He's Bergkamp, he's Ronaldinho. He's, in terms of footballing fantasy, he is as magical as any player that's played football in the last 15 years. As, as magical.
1: Santi Gazzola should be in the dictionary under the definition of joy. Yeah, he should. It should should. just say, like under, under joy, it should just say Santi Gazzola. That's it. That's all it needs to say because he is one of the most joyful footballers I've ever seen. And
0: beloved. And and I don't
1: know anyone who doesn't like him. Imagine being a footballer in the 21st century in the age of social media and pretty much nobody disliking you. Beloved. Two quick tweets we had from people. One from Chris shoot Worrell. Love for Santi and Villarreal. Imagine them sneaking a Champions League spot. So they're only three points behind Sevilla now and they could very realistically end up in the Champions League. Uh, This one from Liam, whose Twitter handle is SouthendSanti. (laughs) amazing Santi Cazorla putting up unreal numbers in La Liga age 35 and out of contract in the summer given Arsenal's current lack of technical quality penetration and general ball retention in midfield would re-signing him on a one season contract make sense I'm 100% in favour he's kind of got that Pirlo edge to him where he could play for a little bit more I think. I think he could do two more years he could definitely do one maybe not starting and playing 90 minutes every single game but I, I would be 100% in favour of that as well.
0: I mean, try dispossessing Kazola. Oh, a, you just yeah, can't. Yeah, yeah, good luck with that. Good luck with that.
1: Maybe I'll repost my Kazola to Dilla working on it video.
0: Oh, you have to. You have to. That's amazing.
1: At Ryan Hun on Twitter. I'll repost it later today.
0: Do it. Can't wait.
1: We need to talk about Benzema's backheel because we've not even done it yet.
0: We do. We do need to talk about it. I mean, I, I'm, I'm actually, I'm not that hyped by it. It was a great goal. It was the decisive goal. Real beat Espanyol, 1-0, which puts them, I think, two points clear of Barca. Crossfield pass. Ball goes to Benzema out on the right flank. And he executes a beautiful back heel across a six-yard box. Casemiro charges in and thrashes it into the corner. And that's 1-0. Good night. It's a lovely goal. Lovely goal. Lovely goal. But I see people, I saw people on the timeline, saying that it was better than Guti's back heel um, to Benzema. Which one? Back in the day.
1: Oh, oh, well, that wasn't the best, that wasn't the best Goody backheel though.
0: No, 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 the, the Zidane one. Yep. The, the, the Zidane one was when he drags it all the way from a different dimension.
1: I love the goal. I think that it's one of those that I think aesthetically looks a lot better than it, or looks a lot more impressive than it is to execute from a technical level. Now no, that's not me downplaying it. That's just, these are professional footballers and the half-volley back heel. Yeah. is really, really easy for them to do. I think the thing that it went through the legs, straight into Casemiro's path, Yeah, obviously it looked unbelievable. Aesthetically,
0: a very, very beautiful goal. I thought Santi's and, assist was better,
1: um, in
0: my opinion. I mean, I mean, I, li- I liked both. Different assists for different reasons. I'm an ultra. I'm really hardcore about this. When I saw Santi Gozola's assist, it made me leap out of my seat. I okay. mean, Santi's from a, from a technical
1: point of view is, I think, way more trickier, for sure. Yeah. Um but I think the Benzema one probably, when it plays out, looks aesthetically a little bit more pleasing. But they're both, they're both great. I mean, Real won 1-0 against Espanyol and they're now two points clear at the top. That will probably be that, I imagine now. I think we said that there were still eight games to go when, after Barca drew to Sevilla, right? Yeah. And that it was a little bit premature. I think those two drop points are big. They're really big for Barca. And I think that will probably do it.
0: And this league will mean so much to Zidane. He said this before about how much the league means because I think yeah. he's aware himself of, and he hasn't won the league for a while, for a few years. The only won it once, actually. So this for him is, is massive. We need
1: to go to another break. Let's do it.
3: Ringer FC is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook. Look, there's a reason why FanDuel is America's number one sports betting app. They've got all the odds on all the biggest sports and they make it simple and intuitive to place your bets. And at FanDuel, they believe that beating the spread is hard enough. So unlike other books, FanDuel doesn't make you jump through hoops when you want to withdraw your winnings. If you haven't tried FanDuel Sportsbook yet, then now's your chance because sports are coming back online. Right now, FanDuel is taking bets on the upcoming soccer matches across EPL, La Liga, the Bundesliga, Serie A, and more. And if you're new to FanDuel Sportsbook, you can even place your first bet risk-free. Seriously, just place any bet and get up to $500 back if you don't win. Just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app and sign up with our promo code RINGERFC so they know we sent you. Remember, that's FanDuel Sportsbook promo code RINGERFC to get your first bet risk-free. Disclaimer, 21 plus, present in New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Indiana, Colorado, and West Virginia. First real money wager only. Refund issued as non-withdrawable site credit that expires after 14 days. See sportsbook.fanduel.com for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. In Indiana, call 1-800-9-WITH-IT. In Colorado, call 1-800-522-4700. Or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net.
1: All right, and we're back. Do you know what we're doing on Thursday? I've not even told you yet.
0: Oh my God, what are we doing?
1: We're doing our first What If episode since we joined the Ringer.
0: Oh, wow. Okay. 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 So
1: for those who aren't familiar with our What If episodes, they're basically exactly as they sound. Instead of asking questions, we ask people for their what ifs. And then Moose and I pick a few and we go into these alternate footballing universes. Uh, we, we strayed once into territory that was... It was if... Was it if Poland beat Germany in 74 we got to the point where we started to stray into the territory of maybe the Soviet Union not falling when it did.
0: <laughs> Political <laughs> conjecture. Yeah, I got, I got some very sarcastic emails from friends of mine about that. Uh, very sarcastic, so yeah.
1: Basically, keep an eye out on the Stadio Twitter. Uh, it's just at Stadio on Twitter. We'll put a call out for those this week. Or if you have any in the meantime, feel free to just tweet this. And we'll be doing that on Thursday. More football, so much football. So the so the NWSL Challenge Cup started this weekend in Utah. Yeah. Two games, one on... Uh, well, they were both on Saturday in the US. One was Sunday morning, our time. Uh, North Carolina Courage against Portland Thorns. Some game. Courage one two, one. What did you think? I thought this was... Considering the temperature, I mean, it was 11, I think 11 a.m. local time kickoff. Mm. I thought the pace of the game... The fact that it increased as the game went on, I think was super impressive.
0: Yeah, absolutely. It was very impressive. Um, Lynn Williams was extremely dangerous throughout and ended up being the decisive player. I mean, I have to say, I hadn't seen her play before. She's a gunner. Like she's someone who is a a high volume shooter and very much a, but her movement was extremely impressive and just generally the tempo of the game. I wonder if this was, not to be your conspiracy theory hat on, but what a great fixture to start with. Like this was, this was a marquee. This was, I just wonder if the kind of tournament organizers were like, let's start off with a showpiece fixture because it really lived up to the quality we would have expected prior to the game. If that makes sense. Yeah. yeah. I was really impressed by that. And your, your favorite Rose Lavelle in the other fixture was outstanding. Player of the match. Chicago Red Stars against Washington Spirit. She was superb and kind of ran everything. And one of those players who actually at certain times when she runs with the ball, I think she favours her left, but it's hard to tell because she's so comfortable. Mm. And what's interesting with her is there are some people who can pass the ball in a half stride. You know, there's some players when they're going to pass the ball, they slow down slightly and that's the tells. The defender basically sets themselves to wait for the release. She doesn't do that. She passes the ball like in stride and that's really unsettling as a technique.
1: The move that broke for her goal was, I think, just Rose Lavelle in a nutshell. Won the ball, broke... And had that just the whole defense completely scampering, I actually tweeted I just said there aren't many things scarier than Roosevelt running at your defense, and we've said this all year well, we' said this for ages, but we said this numerous times <laughs> we compared it to like when Omar's coming in the wire, yeah, 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 people just want to drop the stash and get out of there, yeah they don't want any they don't want that trouble and there was at one point where you saw I think she got about thirty five yards from goal, six Chicago players all of a sudden decided to. Make a move towards her just at that moment. And there was this slight movement onto the left foot to play the through ball. There aren't many players that have that ability to create an extra angle in the split second. Right. Like that. And then she reacted quicker than any other Chicago defender to the ball for the rebound for the
0: goal. Continued the run. Yeah. There's, it's interesting. Like that's a broken field. You can call that sort of broken field decision making when everyone is scattering. Fellow you mm. say, yeah, everyone scatter, like, you know,
1: everything's scattered.
0: A- everything's scattered and you're looking around and you're like, the decision making, very, yeah, you're right. Very few players. There are, there are a lot of players that can run at a defense and just wait for gaps to open. That's like, mm. a, well, that's a generational talent to be able to do that. And there are also players that can watch passes emerge. There are very few that can do both.
1: She's just next level from a kind of vision and passing point of view and a playmaking point of view. It there aren't many, the best- you know.
0: In in terms of, sorry to jump in, but I'm just thinking okay. because in, in the opposition, you had Julie Ertz, who, an eight, who can kind of, is an architect of the play, an architect more than someone who basically improvises, you know, not, not that she can't do it, but Rose Levelle's ability to like improvise high complex patterns on the run. Whereas someone like Ertz, who was again, Ertz was very good, actually. She was very good the other day, um, obviously in the losing cause probably builds attacks in a more conventional way. So plays the lines very well, structures the attack, recycles the ball really, really well. And they're almost like sort of two different sides of the same coin. But I'm, yeah, this was the first time I'd seen a sort of a full, you know, the the banquet of her skills, the banquet of her Mm skill set. Because even, even in, even in the the national team, it was almost like, I mean, we saw sort of Lindsay Horan like out of the final for very good tactical reasons. Mm -hmm. Um, Jill Ella is someone who very, has very specific roles for different people. Whereas, it was like, she had the keys to the Porsche, didn't she, in this game? She yeah. already had the keys to the Porsche.
1: I mean, they could have been out of sight, actually. Roosevelt had a one-on-one, which she probably should have scored. The
0: angle was a bit narrow, though, for that one, wasn't it? Yeah, mm, bad, bad I think she rush.
1: could have done better on the finish, to be honest. But still, Washington Spirit ended up winning 2-1. And the next games are... Tuesday, Houston Dash against Utah Royals. OL Rain against Sky Blue FC. Portland, Chicago on Wednesday. Tasty, yeah. For those of you who want to watch it, it's on CBS in the States and in Canada, I believe, and on Twitch, free, internationally, just on the NWSL Twitch page. So, yeah, go and catch them. They're a bit, the, the second games of the day are a bit late for us Europeans. I have to watch them the next morning. It's like a 4.30 kickoff. But yeah, I'm into this, like, tournament vibe. It was a good move from the NWSL, I think. I've and obviously it. the first major league to return in, in the yeah. States. Let's move on to the FA Cup. The usual suspects are in the semi-finals,
0: I suppose. But somewhat strangely, so Manchester United going through against Norwich 2-1. There is something so, there's something really weird about having the FA Cup behind closed doors because it really feels like a tournament where support is, you know, does that make sense? It's so important having support because support contributes to the upset. Like with the FA Cup, there are those three variables. There's the Mm. home team, the away team and the crowd. And not having the crowd there is so strange because you know what the crowd has done historically in the FA Cup, like Shrewsbury-Liverpool, for example, good example. And Norwich United in previous years would be a fixture where you go there, it's hostile at Carrow Road. And what's interesting with this game was United basically put in a load of reserves, not reserves, but like teams that, you know, non-starters, people that don't normally start, still 1-2-1. And I sound really spoiled here because it is an FA Cup quarter-final it felt flat. Like it mm. felt, it felt flat and it felt like you, it really made you, it really made, it reminded me that the Champions League is a priority for Manchester United.
1: I mean, we had a couple of questions. One from Sean on Twitter. The Champions don't care about the Cup, but the Champions didn't care about the Cup. The semis consist of the next four juggernaut clubs and the lowest clubs in the country don't even get to enter the competition now. Is the FA Cup just running off the fumes of nostalgia? I personally think this is a little bit harsh because if you look at last year's semifinals, what well, they had Brighton, Watford and Wolves all in there. Mm. Ultimately, it's a tournament. It's a cup tournament. So the big clubs will probably prevail depending on the realities of the rest of their season. I mean, Liverpool, they could, <sighs> something had to give with Liverpool. I mean, the FA Cup is what it is. Sometimes it's really important for teams and sometimes it's not. I think when there's so much pressure for Champions League qualification or to avoid relegation or to go deep in Europe, I think, I personally think that the magic of the cup thing isn't really relevant because each year it's super important to a certain amount of sides, and sometimes it's not. You can't expect the FA Cup to be the priority or whatever for every single side every single season. And that, I actually think that's what makes it quite interesting now because some years it will be like a real priority for some teams, and you'll see them really going for it. And then some years you may mix it up. I don't know.
0: Yeah, well, I think the introduction of the the introduction of the extra championship places. Was effectively the introduction of another trophy. Yeah. And that became a parallel competition. So it would be interesting to look at those Champions League places as kind of a knockout tournament, their own. That's kind of what they are, really, de yeah. facto. And the FA Cup has been interesting. It's been important for brilliant managers at new clubs to try and win that to help a club restore its sense of self. So Arsenal, mm. had that Mourinho had that same experience when he was at United, like winning an FA Cup was it was important to get something back up there. Like actually Louis Van Gaal was like that. Louis Van Gaal won and then was sacked, but Van Gaal, it was really important. Well, he was already on his way, to be honest, but it was important for United to get back to Wembley and restore their sense of self. Um, I'm not sure how I feel about the FA Cup being used as a kind of stepladder on an emotional journey towards the Champions League. I'm not sure if that's really right, but there is still a romance there. I mean, I, I don't know, I'm, I'm going to sound like an old man, again, waiting at a cloud, but what I loved about the FA Cup is the fact that it was just a great way to get into Europe for so many teams, and that was the only way in for a lot of them. I thought that was a really great, a great move.
1: Do you know what I think the FA Cup suffers from? I actually think it suffers from too many people questioning the magic of it. It's kind of like that thing where, you know when someone asks you if you're okay, you're <laughs> like, yeah, I'm fine, yeah, I'm fine, I'm yeah. totally fine, and then they keep going... Yeah, but are you sure you're okay? Yeah, yeah. Are you sure you're okay? And I'm like, well, I was I was totally fine and now you're kind of pissing me off so now I'm not okay. And then <laughs> it becomes a whole thing. Whereas actually, if people just let it happen, I don't know, I definitely think the FA Cup has suffered in terms of its standing. It absolutely has. But so much in football has changed. Yeah, true, true, true. It's not exclusive to the FA Cup. It's It's across the whole board. So let's just enjoy it. I mean, I was at the Arsenal whole FA Cup final when Arsenal broke their trophy drought. It was one of the best days of my life and I've seen a side win the league unbeaten as a football fan. So it sounds like such a wishy-washy answer but I think that we as fans want our teams to go in on everything and to yeah. win everything as much as possible but we're not privy to the data, the load management, the kind of fitness of the players, all the nutrition, all the science, all of, the, all of that stuff. You know, if Klopp decides that, for example, he cannot play those players in an FA Cup game, I mean, they literally couldn't at one point because they were away, Yeah. then you got to trust them. And yeah, no, exactly. sometimes that's hard for us to, f- to swallow because we're not programmed that way. We're no, programmed exactly. to just want to win everything. So maybe if Liverpool went in on the FA Cup, they might not have won the league. You never know. I mean, they no, probably would have, but you yeah. know, they, w- they, they may not have been able to say that they were Premier League champions, European champions and world champions within the same thing. So, yeah. I'm going to flip it back onto you here because we've got a couple of questions about Manchester United. So oh, I'm going to here we go. flip them over to you. Uh, quick one. Ashley Carpenter, should United cash in on David De Gea, in my opinion, not being in the top 10 Premier League goalkeepers for two and a half years, at least six months before his disastrous World Cup 2018?
0: If you'd said to me three years ago or four years ago, should we cash in on De Gea? I'd be like, what, what, what? Okay, for a load of money. If you told me I'd be here now, De Gea's decline, I think has been baffling, maybe even to him. I don't think he knows what's happened. Like some of the goals he's conceded, the one against Spurs, for example, against Bergvine, just, he must look back at that and be like, what's happened to me? And Mm. I mean, I would say, I mean, cash in, I mean, I would say no, because you wouldn't get a huge sum of money because the clubs that could afford to buy him for a large amount of money wouldn't pay that money and already have keepers of their own in place who they're happy with. Mm. So you'd kind of end up in the worst of all situations. It's better to have De Gea at a club where so much faith has been shown in him, challenged by a younger rival, just waiting like to emerge. It's better to have him in that state of kind of competitive tension than to sell him and replace him with someone who may not be as good immediately. I mean, if, if you sold De Gea, it wouldn't be to cash in. You'd sell him because he was... Way past his best, which sounds wild and sacrilegious, even saying that. I don't know what's gone on with him. I can't explain it. I don't think he can. But I would say if you sell him, don't sell him to cash in, sell him because he's past his best.
1: Just very, very, very quickly in the Premier League, Southampton beat Watford 3 1. Danny Ings is on for Golden Boot, man. Having a brilliant season. And and Hasenhuttle, after a very, very tricky start to the season, basically keeping Southampton safe they're up to 13th now and I think they'll be fine
0: he's so good he's so good
1: it's going to take time at Southampton but I think he's you know he's had a couple of years nearly no how long 18 months he's been there I could see Hasen given given the tools given the right recruitment to really push Southampton up towards challenging for top six I could I could genuinely see that because I think he's that good a coach um, and he's improved every side he's been at and yeah Danny Ings scoring goals I reckon we get out of here.
0: Yeah, we've done, we've done everything, haven't we? We've gone around the house. I houses. think so.
1: We've probably, we've probably missed some football, but there was so much football on. Don't forget, you can follow us on Twitter at Stadio. Stadio Football on Instagram. Stadio.Football is our own website or theringer.com forward slash soccer. You got
0: a piece going up this week? Yeah, I'm doing a piece about how football and basketball are coming close and close together because you have all the subs and the replacement. There he is. Ha <laughs> ha. The convergence, the convergence of sports there may be pop culture references in there
1: we're going to be back on Thursday with a what if episode yeah we're playing out today on Steve Hayek because we're nearly in July we're going to play out on dancing in July oh yeah we hope everyone's staying safe and well I know we say that every week but we do mean it and we'll be back on Thursday
0: looking forward to it see you then go and vote